We are finishing our series through Isaiah 43, and we come to this notion that the love of God is promising. This is Isaiah 43, 26 through 28, and this is how the chapter ends. God is actually confronting his people, verse 26, put, in, put me in remembrance. Let us argue together. Set forth your case that you may be proved right. Your first father, Adam, sinned and your mediators transgressed against me. Therefore, I will profane the princes of this sanctuary and deliver Jacob to utter destruction and Israel to reviling. And that's where the chapter ends. Oh my! These are the very words of God to you and to me. Now, one of the most interesting and I would say joyful dimensions of being a pastor is what we call premarital counseling. Uh, There they come for their appointment. They are holding hands. They are gazing into one another's eyes. Love is in the air right there in the pastor's office. And you know, it's actually a good thing for me to spend time with these people because there is such a kind of idealism about love and, and there is a refreshing And they can't help it, but a refreshing feel for and emphasis upon the future. And here's the reason. Because the entire marriage is ahead of them. And they can't wait to get to it. They can't wait to step into a future together. And and like I said, I, I I I am helped to be around people and hear them kind of dreaming together this is what we want to be like and we want to grow and we want to have ministry and we want to have a family and we want to build a life and grow spiritually and grow old together love it but then somewhere along the way it always happens let's just call it the fight sometimes it's over the wedding Sometimes it's just because there's a lot of stress concerning the planning and execution of a wedding, but it happens, and it's like a small but potent bomb going off in the relationship. Just a small one, but a really potent one, and damage is done, and here they come. Here they come, back into premarital canceling. You know what? They are not gazing into each other's eyes like they once were. They're barely holding hands. There's stiffness in their posture toward one another. And then addressing the issue. And there can be pain and finally understanding, listening, hearing, understanding, and forgiveness and words of love. So is the engagement still on? Is the wedding still on? Yes. There is still a future together. Now what does that have to do 
with this text that was so shocking to me as I read it to you. What's that have to do with our text? Here's what it has to do. Is that the confrontation is about the relationship. The Bible says, as, as Brad was reading earlier from Isaiah 54, the Lord, the creator of the earth, is your husband. The Bible says that God is married to his people. The New Testament in Ephesians 5 and in other places says that we, the church, are the bride, the beloved bride of Christ. Jesus is our bridegroom. He's not just our savior. He's not just somebody that loves us a lot. He's somebody who's committed to us. And this engagement was in eternity past. And, and the uh, promise and commitment were given in the covenants in the Old Testament. And the fulfillment, the mediation of it through Jesus Christ. Who sacrificed himself for us, who, who answered the promise, who answered the covenants in his own body as the Lamb of God and, and brings us into relationship. You know that through the cross, he took our sin and drained the wrath of God for us, so there's now no condemnation. We give him our sin and this blockage between us and God. We give him our sin, and what do we get? Relationship, marriage, love forever a future a future there it is but in Isaiah 43 this relationship has a lot of problems the biblical record shows over and over and over and over that God's bride is unfaithful to him his love lasts forever. As you were praying, Devin, God's bride is unfaithful to him. God's bride has been cheating on him with other gods. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I'm your husband. They're stepping out with other gods, rebellious. This is certainly the case of God's people in Isaiah 43. You know the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15? This is the prodigal nation. It's exactly what it is. And here is God's bride steeped in rebellion and idolatry, their heart so far from the one who has relentlessly pursued them and loved them. So now the Lord addresses them, his bride, in their idolatry. In effect, what he's saying is, hey, I challenge you, show me why you're innocent. Make your case. I'm wide open. Show me why I should not bring correction upon you. I like the way the NIV 84 uh, says in verse 26, review the past for me. I think the ESV says, Bring it into remem me into remem remembrance. Review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. Can you see a court? State the case for your innocence. Your first father's sin, your spokesman, your leaders have all rebelled against me. This review, the past for me, has a literal Hebrew meaning of remind me. Remind me of how much you have loved me and how faithful you have been. 
And there's no answer. Because God's bride is utterly and completely guilty as charged. Then God describes how he will deal with this. In verse 28, therefore, I will profane the princes of your sanctuary and deliver Jacob into utter destruction. And he is talking about the Babylonian exile and the destruction of Jerusalem. I will deliver Jacob into utter destruction and Israel into reviling, into captivity is the way that worked out. And that's the end of Isaiah 43. Have a nice day. You know, sometimes we read the Old Testament, I think, and we ask, how did they ever get so far from God? Over and over in this cycle of rebellion and repentance and restoration, rebellion, repentance, restoration. Well, I think sometimes we need to ask, how did we get so far from God? I think we need to see our hearts as very easily stolen and our passions and our focus very easily stolen from this God who loves us and loves us forever. So is the relationship with Israel done? Is God done with them? No, of course we know the answer is no and you don't even have to turn the page to find out Go one verse back from our text and one verse forward. You know, all the page, all, all the chapters and everything were added later. One verse back from our text and one verse forward and you get the answer. One verse back is, I am a forgiving God. I am not done with you. That is Isaiah 43. I, even I, am he who forgives you blots out your transgression for my sake and remembers your sins no more. One verse forward is Isaiah 44, 1. Now last week we saw this forgiveness and how complete and amazing and undeserved and, and beautiful God's forgiveness is for his people and how grateful we are for forgiveness. This morning, I want you to see that God's love is beyond forgiveness. Think about these words, beyond forgiveness. God's love is forgiving, but God's love is also promising. So now listen to the Lord in the very next word, the very next verse from our text, Isaiah 44, 1 through 5, but, but now listen. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen, exclamation point. (laughs) This is what the Lord says, who made you, O Jacob, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant. Jeshurun, that's a pet name for Israel. That's a name of love. You know how we kind of give each other nicknames, so to speak. That's a really intimate name. For Israel, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen, chosen, for I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring, and my blessing 
on your descendants, and they shall spring up among the grass like willow trees by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's, and another will call on the name of Jacob, and another will write on his hand, property of the Lord, the Lord's, name himself by the name of Israel. There's more than forgiveness with God's love. You see, he doesn't just take them care of our sins in the past he promises a future with us going forward this is so important a positive future you know it's just like this in our salvation Uh, God did more than send his son just to wipe out our sins I even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more there's no doubt about it. The, the $5 theological term is expiation. It means to blot out. It means to wipe out. Christ, when he died on the cross, wiped out our sin, removed the record from God's a judgment from our sin. But aren't you glad he didn't leave it there? Aren't you glad God didn't say to you, okay, look, I have wiped out your sins when you come to Christ, so everything I've done now on the cross is yours. Your sins are wiped out. Now, As we move forward, don't blow it. I've given you a fresh start. I've given you perfection. Don't mess it up. You see, God's love is beyond forgiveness. God not only gives us expiation of our sins, the wiping out, or as Isaiah 43 says, the blotting out of our sins, God gives us his very righteousness in our redemption. This is amazing. This is why we stay saved. Because when God looks upon us, he does not only see the blotting out of our sins, he sees the very righteousness of Christ. But now there is a righteousness of Christ that the law and the prophets testify to. This righteousness of God comes in faith in Jesus, by faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right there in Romans 3, it says a righteousness from God has been given to us by faith in Jesus Christ. It's amazing. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to become sin on our behalf that we might become If y'all were all here, I'd say, say it with me, the righteousness of God in him. Joseph Wheat, and if you knew me like God knows me or Gina knows me or probably everybody in this room knows me, you'd say he's not the righteous. But I am the righteousness of God given to me, stamped upon me, imputed to me to me so that when Christ looks at me you know what he sees the blood that's the expiation and the righteousness of Christ I am perfection itself in his eyes in terms of my salvation that is rooted in the work of another person Jesus and not me now I did not say I I don't sin anymore I'm saying that Christ God sees me through Christ Because there's more than forgiveness to the love of God. There is a future. 
There is a promise. There is a positive future that is based on the righteousness of God given. And not only through the cross and my sins wiped out, through the empty tomb and new life forever given to me with God, but the Holy Spirit also given to me and you to lead us forward into all the promises that are all yes and amen. They are yes. Every promise God has made, we just read it, is yes in Jesus Christ. And we say amen truly to the glory of God. Real love has an acknowledged future tense. True love isn't just let's try it out and let's see whether we love each other. Let's just kind of see whether it's going to work out. No strings attached. No promises. Real love is built on a promise. It is built on agreed upon, an agreed upon future together. The popular idea today of simply living together, which is more and more the way Americans are choosing to kind of move into marriage if they ever move into marriage. This popular idea of living together. Why are so many people ultimately devastated and scarred by that, which is what the data shows? It's because they... They had their meals together. They had their candlelight dinners. They had their laughter. They had their dancing. They had their sex. But they didn't have the one thing they really needed from one another. Love. Commitment. Promise. Dr. Brad Wilcox, associate professor of sociology at the University of Virginia. Last time I checked, not an evangelical Christian institution in a huge study on cohabitation in marriage said this coming out of out of this massive study quote Brad Wilcox Dr. Brad Wilcox couples say that they need to kick the tires a little before settling down but what they don't understand is that once you adopt a consumer mentality in your relationship, you undercut marriage and open yourself up to marital breakup and unhappiness. The social data shows that cohabitation more than doubles the chance of ending in divorce. And it's already 50% in our country. Now, that's the total, including the cohabitation, so it's not 100%. I don't mean more than doubles that. <laughs> Let's get our numbers right. You know, if, if, the, if the, the statistics are true, half of all those lovey-dovey gazing into their eyes, holding-hand couples that come into the pastoral office here at Highlands Presbyterian Church are going to be devastated by divorce. But it is not true. It is not true. We don't have that many, many people divorcing. We do have them. And there's biblical divorce. Cohabitation is hollow because there's no decided future. There's no meat on the bones. There's nothing you can count on. 
I remember growing up, the, the famous Diana Ross song, Touch Me in the Morning. It goes like this, touch me in the morning, then just walk away. We have no tomorrow, but we had yesterday. No, you didn't even have yesterday. You didn't even have what you needed yesterday. And you certainly don't have tomorrow. And yet, he walked away. And I always just hated the way she was like, I'll be here forever waiting on you. It's like, whoa, shut up. Move on. Find somebody that'll love you. Find somebody that'll promise you. <laughs> love can't long survive without a promise. You can write that down. Love can't long survive without a promise. But God's love is promising. We learn this in the covenants in the Old Testament. We learn this here again in Isaiah 43 in the midst of his correcting Israel and, and it, he is extending forgiveness to them and he promises them and, and the, the repeti repetition of the words, I will, I will, I will, I will pour forth water on a thirsty land, streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and your offspring. You know, human love, our love, can be so capricious and so uncertain. Not so with God. God says, I am committed to you. My promises will always be good. I love you. I will always love you. Man, isn't that a sentence to hear? I will always love you. Which brings us to that picture of this future given here. Pour out water on the thirsty land. You can just feel the, the relief. You can feel the provision. You can feel the reconnection, the, the bringing back to life of these people spiritually, bringing back to life the closeness of the relationship. Pour, I will pour water on the thirsty land, streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit out, not just on you, but your offspring, and, and bless your children's children, blessing upon your descendants. I mean, this, this, this love is just like going through generations. It's so promising. It's so forward-looking. Your children will grow up like grass, among the grass, like willows, strong trees planted by flowing streams. And one will say, I'm the Lord's. And the other will call on the name Jacob. And the other will write on his hand, property of the Lord, the Lord's. And he will name himself by the name Israel, it's a beautiful long-term vision of God's love for him, them. You look at Isaiah 43, you look at the mess they're in, you look at the steadfast, promising love of God. We have all of that in the gospel. And even spelled, even more in the sense that it's more spelled out. It's more clear now that we have the New Testament, now that Christ has come. Jesus is the fulfillment of all these Old Testament promises of the covenant, of the promises, of the with the love of God. He died on the cross so we could have our sins wiped away 
and gain a relationship with him. He rose from the dead so we could have a forever future with him. And all his promises are yes in him and he will be with us every nanosecond of this journey even to the end of the age. He will be with us. and We will feast one day in his presence at the Lamb's Supper, the, the, the wedding feast of the bridegroom of the Lamb in the New Jerusalem at the end of time. God's love is so secure. I don't know what you're insecure about. We all are insecure about stuff. But one of the reasons we tend to live more in insecurity is that we forget to anchor our souls in God whose love is secure. If you have this secure love in the big picture, in literally where it's all going, you are secure. Pandemic or no, upheaval or no, personal upheaval or no, we are secure, hidden in God, in Christ, because his love is not just forgiving, his love is also promising. Doesn't it make you want to run to him? Run to him. We need to trust now the one who's going to love us tomorrow. That's who we need to trust in. Always going to love. We need to trust now that one who's going to love us tomorrow. We need to commit to the one who is ultimately committed to us. We need to get to know the one who will always be there. We need to enjoy the one who cannot wait. I'm talking about God. Cannot wait to live into this future with you, his beloved. That's the reason I say cannot wait. You're his, you're his bride. He takes great delight in you. Loves you. That's the gospel, isn't it? That's the undeserved love of God given through the promises of God and through the, the mediation and the fulfillment of what Christ has done for us on the cross to give us that love forever. So let's close with this. As we decide to rest in the love of God that has a future that is secure rest in his forgiveness yet again let's close with this we need to ask the Lord to help us love like he does to help us experience his love and be able to give it to others to, to love with his love would you seek to forgive because he has forgiven you that's what the gospel demands would you reinforce your love by reinforcing your promise? That's what the gospel does. Would, would not live by feelings, but living by promises. Would you reinforce the future dimension of your love? It may be one of the greatest compliments too small of a word, affirmation maybe? It may be one of the greatest affirmations of a human being for them to hear. Not only do I love you, but I will love you, but I'm already thinking about being with you 
five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, 60 years from now. And I like to think about our future. And I like to think about my future, and I like to think about my future with you in it. You, do you see how important that is? You're just like this ordinary human being, and another human being, much less God himself, says, I want you in it. I, I don't know if there's anything more affirming you can say to a human being in this realm of I love you with a, with a love that, that is built on a promise. Would you reinforce the future dimension of your love? And then you could know some security in that relationship. You could dream again about a future together and together with the Lord. And that, that's more like our relationship with the Lord. And that is where a loving life can go beautiful it's what we're made for made to love it's exactly what God's redeemed us for real love is promising the love of God is promising let's pray Lord we pray that you would help us to see your love not only in terms of our forgiveness help us not look at the cross just in terms of fire insurance got what we needed but help us to also see your love in terms of your Emmanuel presence now and your promised future given the Holy Spirit given your word given us intimacy with Christ and union with him forever made us not just an object of your affection and you did that made us your bride I will never leave you or forsake you if you've never put your trust in what Christ has done us on the cross by removing the barrier of our sin between us and a holy God and he is holy and you just get it you just see it that you're not coming to God by your own feeble efforts and you want him you pray Lord I see it I want to turn from everything I've called Christianity everything I've called religion everything I've called irreligion but put my trust in I want to turn to you and I'm going to put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done for me on the cross. Thank you that even now you have forgiven me. Even now you have given me your very righteousness and I will always be loved and accepted by you. Even now you have given me your Holy Spirit to lead me into greater understanding of what union, marriage with Christ looks like. Lord, there are many of us who've walked with you for quite some time and our hearts are, are playing around with other gods. All of us, prone to wander, Lord, we feel it. Lord, would you just overwhelm us again with a new and fresh understanding of the completeness and the eternality given every day 
of your love that will never cease. Would you help us to say with the psalmist, your love is better than life. Would you turn our hearts back to fasten on to you, the one who loves us for real and always, that we might love you. And Lord, would you transform people by your love so that in this world where there is so much strife, we would be agents of reconciliation, we would be agents of your love in the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.